0: Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Death is one of the most frightening and awesome of life's mysteries. Because it is, we've developed all manner of mythology about it, including the myth that life is over when we die. But many have experienced firsthand another reality. And while there are still so many who assert that death is death and life is life and never the twain shall meet, our guest today offers a moving and profound information to the contrary. Hollister Rand is an internationally renowned medium. Known for the detailed messages she provides from loved ones living in the spirit world, Hollister is clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient meaning she can hear, sense, and see the process of spirits. One of her primary messages is that life is never over. She believes that questions can be answered, broken hearts mended, and relationships healed when we're able to speak with loved ones who are living in the spirit world, and she makes it look easy. Over the past 15 years, she has moved national and international audiences with messages of love, hope, and healing through demonstrations of spirit communication, and and she's been on television and radio appearances, touching lives of thousands of people. She's been on several TV and radio stations and teamed up with acclaimed medium John Edward for Infinite Quest at www.infinitequest.com. Her interest in supporting the science of spirit communication led Hollister to present seminars and workshops with leading researchers in afterlife science. Her book, a lovely book, I'm Not Dead, I'm Different, Kids in Spirit teach us about living a better life on Earth. Is the subject of the Authentic Living Show today. And this book truly is amazing, and I really would encourage you to uh, to uh, get the book. And I, I want to tell you that I have had a friend of mine who I purchased a, a a reading for my friend from Hollister. It was a reading that was very very accurate and very healing for my friend. So. This is the real deal we're talking to today, so if you have uh, an, uh, an interest in talking with Hollister, please feel free to call into the show and ask your question.
2: All right, Hollister, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I love the name of your show, Authentic Living, because that's really what we're talking about here today with the spirits. Um, they are authentically living, and that is the good news. Um, And they're calling us to do the same thing here, to let go the limiting ideas that we have about life and the fears that we have around death. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love so much that you say in this book resonates with, uh, you know, you're not trying to say you know everything that happens about life after death, but you are saying what they tell you. And uh that's, it's profound. Uh, they've asked, uh, several people have written and asked you questions about reincarnation and about miscarriage and abortion and things that are really difficult to talk about. But you, your answers are not, I know everything there is to know about this, but rather let me tell you what I've gotten. And that, you know, that uh, what you've gotten is profound enough by itself, but there's still just some mystery there, isn't there?
2: Yes, um, I I think that the afterlife, the sum of it, the way everything fits together, may be a bit um, too profound, perhaps, for us to grasp entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with death is that it causes us grief, and with grief there comes the feeling of separation. And those from the afterlife, come to me with the idea of reconnection and the sense that they are continually with us. Um, But the perspective is a little bit different from how we look at life here. We see limitation and they see possibility So there are a lot of things that I don't understand about life after death. In fact, when I go, when it's my time, I'm going there with a legal pad full of questions. (laughs) Um, But what I do know is they show me just enough to allow me to take the next step in my own development and my own level of connection, and then they show me a little bit more. So it's constantly unfolding. It's You know, we we haven't heard the last word from the spirits, and that's what keeps me very excited.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we do just need enough light to see the next
2: step, don't we? That's And that's really, you know, I, I've thought about it many times. If the spirits had shown me as a little girl exactly how my life was going to play out, I would have said, no, I haven't signed on for this. And of course, every parent who has lost a child, every grandparent who has lost a grandchild will say the same thing. I didn't sign on for this. What am I supposed to learn from this? Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I must have really messed up in another life. Well, I have to say the spirits come to us with messages of hope, love, and healing rather than, you know, you're being smacked because of something that you've done in the past. Um, i work very specifically at the vibration and the frequency of love and so therefore i connect with loved ones in spirit particularly including pets as well
1: mhm absolutely yeah i read about that too so okay let's let's talk just let's go back just a little bit and talk what's it like to be a medium how, how did a medium how did that begin for you and how did you allow it to grow
2: well, being a medium was not uh, actually a career choice when I was a kid, so right. uh, and it wasn 't something to be envied either. I did not want to be different as a child. so as soon as I could figure out how to shut off the spirits and try to ignore um, the the experiences that I had as a child. Uh, I, I was happy to sort of leave that behind, but when I had an accident um, at the age of eighteen, a, a very serious car accident, um, I could no longer deny that there was something going on um, because the the sort of the division between this world and the other world became very blurred in my life, and I couldn't always tell what was real in this life and what was not. Um, So now I've come to accept that it really is all real. Um, And now I've learned to navigate my way through it very carefully and allow the spirits to come at very prescribed times to speak with their loved ones still here on earth.
1: Right, so you know how to make sure that you're you're you know how to shut it down and open it up again.
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm not like walking through the grocery store thumping the melons, you know, and talking to <laughs> people's uh, relatives. No, right. I, it's I find that the agreements that I've worked out with those living in the spirit world are based on real mutual respect and uh, and that kind of thing. I can now sleep through the night. I don't have spirit standing around my, my bed all the time. You know, people think that, that that's sort of an exciting way to live. Well, frankly, it's, it's an annoying way to live. I'm sure. Um, and, I mean, can you imagine if you just had people knocking at your door day and night, not letting, letting you have a moment of silence? And uh, uh, I have found that that's not the way to live. And so when I teach mediumship to others as well, and I, I teach Spirit communication, um, and how to be more open and how to, uh, live, live in a way that is comfortable with the spirits and retain communication. I always teach people how to turn it on and turn it off. My, my students laugh and they say Hollister Rand is clap on, clap off. And that's pretty much the way it is for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I think you're so right based on mutual respect. I mean, that is, that is the, the door we have here on planet Earth to each other, we can't just go barging into somebody's house and say, hey, you've got to talk to me. We, we, we offer a little bit of respect and say you've got your rights to privacy and time and energy and all those things. So why should it be that so different after death?
2: Yes. And, and I find that, uh, working at a very specific frequency, the frequency of love, um, those boundaries are almost naturally in place.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. I used
2: to do the haunted house thing. I don't like that. Oh, As I bet. One young man in the book says uh, dying doesn't make you nice. So uh, I, I realized at that point, wait a minute, that's right. I only like to spend my time on Earth with people I enjoy being with. So why, when I do my work, would I want it to be any different? Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. thought no more haunted houses, no more of that for me. I really, I, I, want to connect in the heart space where there is love.
1: Yeah. So you know how to open up that space and close off the other.
2: That's exactly right. And I dedicate okay. every session, every phone session, every spirit circle, every event. Um, I set the the space of love in you know wherever I'm working because I travel all over the world and do this. So I can assure you that I, that I have found myself in some very interesting circumstances. But the work uh, is present wherever we dedicate the space to love.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So tell me what's different about talking to kids on the other side as opposed to talking to adults on the other side.
2: Well, I never really considered it till Harper Collins, uh, you know, brought me in to talk about uh, doing a possible book, and when I started talking with them about kids in spirit, they were intrigued, um, because some of the differences are really profound. One of them is the enthusiasm that is present with those who have crossed uh, what we say often before their time. That's our perspective. And I realized that because of that perspective, these young ones in spirit absolutely want to make the contact. They are driven to make it happen in sometimes very unusual circumstances. So I will have a client come to me, uh, and this happened actually at a small spirit circle recently. Um, A woman in the group was bringing in all of these young people with her, and it turned out that she was part of a support group. And all of these young people were showing up for her with their names, the names of their parents, and they all sort of grouped together and uh, and ganged up in a way. Um, it was almost like it's like, hey, I'm here with my peeps, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and they got through to her so that she would get the message to their parents that they had made it and that they were okay. So sometimes kids in spirit will do extreme things to get in contact the other thing is kids in spirit have often passed in um, motion, either car accidents, skateboarding accidents. You know, they, they often leave this earth very suddenly. And so they rarely um, will discuss their passing or the details of it. So if there's a murder or a suicide or something like that, these kids communicate messages of life through me their most important message is to talk about what they continue to do, how they remain connected with their families, and they concentrate far less on the actual mechanics of their passing. They almost seem, it's almost to to them, it's it's like, well, it's transportation. This is just how I got here. So that's Mm -hmm. very different because when I speak with people who have had long illnesses, they will very often talk about, Um, how that became part of their experience of life. But the when kids die very, very quickly, they don't spend a lot of time talking about their method of passing.
1: Okay, so that's kind of uh, informative in and of itself, so it kind of almost says maybe they're closer to the truth that how we pass
2: doesn't really matter, it's where we go. (laughs) Yeah, you know, what they do talk about, however, is the love that they have experienced here on this earth plane, whether they realized it or not is the thing that lights their way to the afterlife um all right so let's talk about that some more right
1: after the break okay we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from hollister rand remember if you have a question call in we'll be back in just a minute
0: for a
2: transforming world 7th Wave Network
3: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
0: That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, Ions is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www. Noetic.org. And we're talking today with Hollister Rand, author of the book, I'm Not Dead, I'm Different. Kids in Spirit, Teach Us About Living a Better Life on Earth, a beautiful book. If you have experienced a loss, particularly a loss of a young person, I really encourage you to read this book. It's so well done and and it gives us so much information about the afterlife and what, what happens to kids in spirit. So uh, I think I interrupted you just before the break, Hollister. Uh, you were talking a little bit about what it is that kids experience when they sort of zoom off into that other side. And I said that, may, you know, maybe they're informing us that really uh, it's not about h- how you get there so much as it is about what happens when you're there.
2: I find that the young in spirit are profoundly detached to the ways they've passed, which is shocking because that's sort of where our focus is. And I've talked with kids who have been murdered. Um, there was one young woman who had been raped and murdered, and of course, all of her, all the only thing her parents could think about was what were what were her experiences in that situation. And we weren't there to protect her. And oh, it must have been horrific. She must have been terrified. And her experience, as she shared it with me, was completely different. And she made it very clear that the love that she felt from her parents was the only thing she experienced during this horrific crime she did not even really remember or give any details about the actual passing but she mentioned that the love of her parents lit the way and then she was her her grandmother who had also passed reached out her hand and brought her into the afterlife so we wow. get caught up in the horror of a passing, whatever we may imagine that to be. And I've heard from the spirits, not just kids in spirit, but other spirits as well. In fact, I, I had a, someone I loved very, very much who fell out of a building, and that's how he died. Mm. Um, and I've also spoken to to other people who have been in buildings that have collapsed, and you know all sorts of you know tragedies that we see on the news, and. Each one of them um, has mentioned to me, I was outside my body when that happened. I watched it happen. They are not detached, nor often do they feel uh, the full impact of the passing. So that's a huge relief to us.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I, and I, I think that whole idea of love, her, the love of her parents carrying her to the place where she could then, be reached out to by her grandmother is so profound because it says that we don't have to be in the same room with somebody
2: to be a part of their experience. And that is really important. You know, people say you can't take it with you. Love is one of the things you absolutely can take with you in the afterlife, even if you weren't sure that you were experiencing it here. Because I have spoken with uh, people who have passed by suicide. And they have reported to me that they did not, that somehow they didn't have receptors for love here, or they did not, and this is not necessarily every single person who has passed via suicide. I'm not talking about every person, but I've heard some reports from some saying, you know, I could not, I could not except that I was loved. I didn't feel loved. It was almost like something was missing. I couldn't see that kind of thing and there there was one young man who mentioned to his mother that her love for him was like a gift that was still wrapped and when he got to the other side he was able to unwrap it and experience her love for him for the first time. Oh, now wow. for me that was profound. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, holy cow, even suicide, which we see, which we often see or interpret as the ultimate um, separation, one from another, that love, even though it can't be opened here or experienced, can be experienced in the afterlife. So that that was hugely freeing because I had um, my young cousin at the age of 19 kill himself. Um, he shot himself, and I, I talk about that in the book. The book has a memoir quality because I recognize that in my own life and in my own family, I have experienced uh, the aftermath of all of these kinds of death, murder, suicide, abortion, miscarriage, um, accidental death. Uh, I mean, it just goes on. So there's an element of my own experience in every single chapter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and of course you're present with all the readings too, as well as are the as are the people who you call the sitters, those people that are there for the reading. So, uh, yeah, the, that y- your memoir, the memoir part of the book is very profound, and I think I've noticed that in in, in other people's lives who are close to death too, that they have experienced a lot of death uh, in their lives and have walked through it in a way that's profound, and then they find themselves working in palliative care or hospice programs or something like that where they're really helping people take that uh, next step into the other world. So I, I do think that's profoundly interesting that our experiences bring us to these
2: places. Well, and to everybody who works with hospice or works in oncology and nurses and hospice workers, I have to tell you, the spirits, whether you recognize it or not, the spirits are there helping you. And um, those in spirit have shown me how they receive those that we send to them. Um, And just being present for those who are dying is a huge gift, both to the person who is dying and a huge gift to the person who is present, whether they're a family member or not. Now, that being said, it's important to recognize that, many of those that we love, about 50%, die without us being present. And sometimes it's it's often kids because there, there was a young boy who was hit on his bicycle. And, you know, his parents said, I just wish we had been there for his passing. What I find so interesting is that spirits, even in beds um, who have had long illnesses, will take the moment that those they love get up to go to the bathroom or get a ham sandwich, to then make their exit. And you have to ask, why is that? Well, the spirits have mentioned that sometimes the love of people there um, keeps them very present here on this earth, and they know they have to leave, and they don't want those um, who love them to see them ever as actually being dead. They want themselves to be always seen as being alive. So how interesting is that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's profound because that's the real truth of it, isn't that it?
2: That is the real truth of it. So what we see as, oh my gosh, we weren't able to be there or, you know, they needed us to be there. No. Some people make the decision that I am going to go this way. It is easier. And it's it's the truth that I'm really not dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there is that. And I, I, on, on my end of that, I work with a lot of people in, as a therapist who are dealing with the death of someone that they've loved and they didn't get to say something they needed to say. And so what do kids say to about that? What, what about when somebody needs to say something to that child they didn't get to say?
2: Well, the good news is that the communication from this side to the other side and the other side to this side is always open. So you can say whatever you need to say and know that it reaches those in spirit. It's difficult because we sometimes feel that we don't get the response back. We don't know if the message is received. And, of course, that's why there are mediums. It's my belief, however, that more and more people are becoming personally connected with spirit. Um, And I'm hoping at some point that the spirits will put the mediums out of business. Um, and that there will be an acknowledgement of this back and forth that is constant. So what the young say is, listen, I will respond. Be aware. I'm letting you know that I'm around. Be assured that everything you say, your thoughts, um, do reach me. And it was funny, one lady, I think I might've written this in the book, but I'm not, I'm not sure at this point if I did. Um, but there was a lady who called me on the phone and, uh, And I answered a question that she had asked her son prior to the phone to our our phone session. So what I find happening is people will ask a question and then the spirits will answer it. They don't have to ask a question during the session to have those answers brought forth. So that shows that yeah, they hear us. They hear our questions and they hear what we have to say.
1: It's beautiful. So at any point, they can say what they needed to say and will be heard.
2: Absolutely. And I love that you're a therapist and, you know, you're open to the idea that the dialogue continues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my belief that when anybody has a healing session with anybody, whether it's massage, hands-on healing, um, therapy of some sort, counseling, whatever that may be, the spirits show up. So I have to say, to there are, there are therapists who recommend that their clients come to see me. Um, yes. And I love that therapists are now recognizing that this kind of dialogue does continue in some way. Absolutely. And that when you start that dialogue, the spirits show up. And so what we say does not fall on deaf ears. And we can be angry with the spirits, and that's okay. Sometimes they need to hear that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The truth, this is the truth, and the truth is love, isn't it? Absolutely, it's really powerful because when someone passes, wherever they are blind, they are no longer blind. When we pass, we experience all of of what our um, thoughts, words, and deeds have done here on the Earth plane. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Well, we're going to talk some more about that when we come back right after the break with more from Hollister Rand and I'm Not Dead, I'm Different. Come back for that.
2: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
3: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
0: wellness network
2: awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
1: we're back talking today to Hollister Rand about her beautiful book, I'm Not Dead, I'm Different, Kids in Spirit, Teach Us About Living a Better Life on Earth. And we're going to talk about that better life in a minute, but I want to sort of follow up on what we were saying just before the break. During the break, I was telling Hollister about the fact that when I'm a th- as a therapist, I can't make my clients believe what I believe when that's not my job. But I do try to help people Recognize that they can have a conversation whether they think that person is there in the room or not. So, what I do is I say, Well, you know, if they were here in the room, what would you want to say to them? And then, if you think they heard, if you think they could have heard you, what do you think they might have said back? And do you think that's really them, or is that your fear about them? And so, we just get closer and closer to something that feels like a real dialogue and it can be very healing. So, whether a person actually believes that the person is hearing them or not. There's something that's happening, and uh, in the room there, when that goes on, and, and some people are profoundly healed by those experiences. So, um, your work in that is is goes much deeper because you can actually have that dialogue. And I think that's what's so healing, and was so healing for my friend, was that she could hear that you knew, and that you were speaking for that spirit, and that was really a beautiful healing experience for her.
2: Well, what I love um, about the work, and I love. So much about spirit communication. Uh, I can't even list all the things that I love. But one of the things that's so important that the spirits have raised to me time and time again is that we tell ourselves a story about their lives here on Earth. And we tell ourselves a story about the ending of their lives. And they are constantly trying to um, help us consider that maybe we can write a different ending to the story. And so we're constantly, I I, I find myself constantly challenging people's stories about the person who has passed. Now, I'm I'm not actually challenging them. The spirit, him or herself, is actually doing that. Um, So I find it very, very interesting. They don't want to let us get too locked in to the way we believe things are. So it's really about questioning, you know, take, take for instance, if someone passes when you walk out of the room, well, you may think, I wasn't there for that person, I have failed that person. Well, wait a minute, is, is that really true? And so the spirit gets an opportunity to state their side of the story beyond, you know, we always think death is the final word, and that's not the case. Yeah. And do you do you find that they tell you that there
1: is some kind of choice involved when they do finally pass, they're actually choosing to move
2: on? There is a lot more choice involved with life than I think any of us truly wants to believe um, because it's almost terrifying in a way. Um, I have never had a spirit say to me that they were a victim. And that's really interesting because especially when someone has been murdered um, or this kind of thing. and In fact, I was talking with a young person who had been killed, and as I'm talking with him, I thought, wait a minute, I saw this on the news because it was one of those, like, famous things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, holy cow, I know who this person is. And I said in my and and when I'm talking with a client, I can never say, oh, I figured this out. I can't say anything unless the spirit tells me to say it. So Mm -hmm. I can't say, oh, I know who this is. This is so-and-so, and this I saw this on the news. Instead, I said to this young man in my mind, I know who you are. I saw this on the news. You're the victim of the... And he cut me off and basically said, I'm not a victim. And I said, your son is letting me know he does not see himself as a victim. And his mother concurred and said, oh, no, he never saw himself as a victim. So one of the things that the spirits have made, have made clear is that even from our perspective, if we think that, that someone has been a victim of a crime, um, that they do not uh, carry that idea of victimhood into the afterlife. So would you go so
1: far as to say that while somebody else may have thought they were killing them, actually that person was choosing
2: to move on? Um, I wouldn't say choosing to move on, but I would say choosing their soul's highest purpose, whatever the circumstances have allowed. And this is probably the most difficult subject when we're talking with the young who have passed. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for us, it's always such a tragedy to lose someone in a young age. And we think about, oh my goodness, they could have done this with their lives, they could have done that. Well, that's not to say that they aren't still inspiring people. I have had heard many... Um, young people who have passed, whose lives in passing have opened up laws that have made their peers safer, foundations that have supported programs, um, and their lives have had so much meaning, even though they've been cut off short. But did they choose to die at that point to allow those things to happen? I don't think it's quite that. I think it goes even beyond what we can imagine.
1: Hmm. I can see that completely, and that that leads to one of the things you said. I believe it was in the uh, the Spirit's Declaration of Independence. You said uh, that you that by healing the diseases of addiction, the betrayal of abuse in our own lives, and forgiving. Uh, us for failing you, you meaning the ones who passed on and ourselves, or no, failing you meaning the ones that are still here and ourselves, the, those that are in the spirit. Wholeness touches us here and changes the path of those who come after you. So, uh, you you know what you're saying there is that even if someone died, say by neglect because a parent was addicted, that uh, or or because of some kind of betrayal of abuse. Um, There's, there's a change that takes place after death that has to do with assisting that person that's still here on planet earth with moving past their problem. Is that, do I have that right?
2: What I find so profound about speaking with the spirits is that they've shown me that life is not linear. You know, we think we're born, we do this, then we die, and then, you know, and, and it's just sort of this linear existence. One of the things the spirits have showed me is that it's anything but that. And so what we do here on this earth plane affects those who have been in our past, as well as ancestors we've never even met. So in the book, I talk about not only addictions and uh, physical abuse in families as legacies, but also... Uh, adoption and uh, and all sorts of manner of things that have to do with family legacies and family lines and how what we do here on this earth plane affects those in the past family line, whether we knew them or not, as well as changes uh, that occur for all of those who are born after us on this earth plane. It's really, we are in a, a tremendously powerful place here on the earth. Everything that we do affects those who have lived before us and those who live after us. That's one of the reasons why the spirits are so excited to help us and be part of all of this, because this is literally where we change eternity, right here, right now, with the choices that we make. So somebody who beats their addictions here and gets help for their addictions here helps every member of their family that has come before um, and brings healing to them in the afterlife and frees the entire family line of this legacy of abuse and addiction. It's incredibly powerful. And the Spirit shows amazing. it to me time and again.
1: Wow, that is amazing and so profoundly healing to think of it that way because we look back at the you know, the grandfather or the whoever that was addicted and, and say, oh, what that's so sad that they lived their whole lives that way. And what we're saying is if somebody in the present world that uh, conquers their addiction, it can even heal that grandfather from the past.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, it's really kind of an overwhelming thought. And in mm-hmm. the chapter on addiction in the book, I talk about the five generations of one family that I had in the room at the same time, both those in spirit and an unborn child um, who was with a mother. And her husband, who had never taken a drink in his life, was killed by a drunk driver, and the great grandfather had been you know an abusive drunk and i think died of of uh, a drug overdose so it was so interesting that the spirits as well as the people in the room it really just showed me how this legacy can be broken how how it can be changed and how healing can come to all generations no matter where they are in the timeline of life
1: yeah, and we do, it just says, again, there is no past, present, or future, is there?
2: No, no, and this is really, it's, it's kind of astounding, because when I talk with the spirits, I will sometimes say something, and I can't tell whether they're talking about the past, the present, or the future, because they give it to me in a present tense. So, you know, when they do that, I'm always reminded, wow, you, you know, there there really is no past, and we can change that as well. It's, it's really kind of trippy when you think about it. Yeah, it really is.
1: It really is. It does remove that whole timeline and, and linear thinking that we have. Yeah, it's hard to wrap our heads around, but I really do think there's a profound truth there. And uh, you know another what
2: holds it all no, together is love. That's what I, I find... So amazing is that love sort of makes this whole thing stick together continue to vibrate it's it's almost where we meet everybody and the people who are outside of that love frequency and there are those because I've met them um, they are constantly being called to that vibration so even if we look at a life that to us seems absolutely reprehensible the murderer, the mass murderer, the serial murderer, um, those who perpetrate genocide, because I talk about even that in the book. I tell you, the kids deal with the most difficult subjects. And when I listed this for HarperCollins, they looked at this and went, oh, my. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when they set, set me out to write this book, I, I don't think they thought I was going to deal with suicide, genocide, murder, all the tough subjects, but that's what the key, kids address. And um, and I have to say I have spoken with people who have died in Holocausts worldwide, um, and it's it's just fascinating to me when we come together in love, how life changing all of those experiences can be.
1: Yeah, and it just to reiterate so much to me that we we don't come from our experiences with tragedy; we come from love.
2: Well, absolutely, and And the love is what transforms all the tragedy and hooks it into what is our highest purpose, um, because grief can get in the way of that. Uh, what I've discovered with grief is that it's rarely just missing somebody. Grief often has many, many other elements that the spirits call us to take a look at, and those elements can be everything from uh, guilt personal guilt. I wasn't there. I should have done something. I knew this was going to happen. I didn't stand in the way um, to anger. Well, why didn't they, you know, pay attention to what I told them to do? And, you know, they should have gone to the doctor and I told him not to ride his, uh, you know, his scooter without a helmet. And I, you know, it very rarely grief is just grief. It's often colored with a whole bunch of other stuff. And yeah, that's know. what the spirits call us to take a look at. So, once we deal with that, the communication with them is free of of um, of blocks. The interesting thing about you know loving someone unconditionally that also reaches out to the way they die. very often, we put condition yeah yeah, I really love you, but I don't believe that my love can reach you because of the way you've died or the way you chose to die or the way you took leave from me or the way you've left me behind. That wasn't a loving thing to do. Mm. And I have to say the spirits call us time and time again to look twice at those beliefs that we hold. Oh, wow, that is very
1: profound. We're going to come back to that in just a few minutes. We'll be back with the last segment with Hollister Rand, so you don't want to miss that one. Uh, come back for more.
2: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
3: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness
0: That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthewsLPC.com. Now, back to authentic living with Andrea Matthews.
1: Well, it's sad but true. We do have to let Hollister Rand go back to her life after in the next 10 15 minutes, but so we're going to try to squeeze in some more information just before we go. Um, this book, I'm Not Dead, I'm Different, Kids in Spirit, Teach Us About Living a Better Life on Earth, is so profound, so filled with so many answers to so many st- of our most profound questions that I really encourage you to uh, buy the book and read it cover to cover. Don't stop. Um, and I want to give you a chance, uh, Hollister, as well, to uh, tell the, our listening audience how they might get in touch with you and any way, any events that you've got coming up that, uh,
2: that you'd like to share. Well, thanks so much for this opportunity. Um, one of the things I really love about being a medium is that I get out to meet so many people and put them in contact with those they love. Um, so my schedule is constant. Although I live in the Los Angeles area, I travel throughout the country. Um, in February, I will be in Las Vegas, and I'm doing a book signing at a Barnes & Noble up there. Um, in March, I will be in Orange County, California, um, as well as Denver in Colorado doing some book signings and things there. Um, in April, I will be up in... Um, uh, San Francisco area. I also will be speaking at A.R.E., which is the Edgar Casey Institute in the fall in Virginia Beach. I'll be in New York. I mean, the list goes on and on. So the best thing for people to do is to visit my website, Hollisterrand.com. That's H-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R, rand.com. And follow me that way. Also join me on Facebook, um, because we have a very active Hollister Rand community on Facebook as well. Um, and my email address is hollisterrand at gmail.com. I do group sittings, uh, small spirit circles, private sessions by phone and in person. I just really love to meet people and put them in touch with those they love living in the afterlife.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you for your willingness to be the person you are and reach out to all of us in that way. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about one of the most profound things that I, I read in there. Uh, one of the uh, declarations made by um, the Kids in Spirit was um, that, they will be there for the holidays and the birthdays and the family reunions. And they'll walk us down the aisle at our weddings and share in the joy when a baby joins the family. And uh, they especially like smiling at the babies who smile back.
2: Yes. I mean, the interesting thing is we, well, probably the terrifying thing is that we think that once someone has passed, they are no longer um, enjoying and participating in the important things that we deal with in life, the happy occasions, the weddings, and all of that. Uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. And in the book, I share many, um, many times where uh, those in spirit have commented on a baby coming. I, re- I remember there was a lady who came to see me, and she sat down, and, um, and every person in her family talked about a child that was coming. And they kept talking about babies, babies, babies. And I finally looked at her and I said, look, if you don't want to have a child, you better take some extreme measures because everybody in spirit is talking about a baby for you. And she (laughs) said, I found out this morning that I'm pregnant. Wow. So everybody, of course, she wasn't showing at all because it was so early. Um, So. Everybody in spirit knew that she was going to have this baby. And they even knew uh, that she had thought about certain names and all of this kind of thing. So I have to say, those we love remain connected with us um, and often know and talk about the children who are coming into the earth. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, in the book, I, I think it, I, I discussed a group of women getting together, um, and they couldn't get pregnant, but they started coming together, working on spiritual things, and a whole group of children in spirit started talking about, to me, that they wanted to come through to these women, and these women got pregnant one after another. Um, And these are children who are coming to this earth at this time, um, and very aware children. So what is starting to happen is that people are becoming more and more aware of the of the constant back and forth between this side and the other side. So in the book, I even have some exercises and meditations that people can do to help become more aware of those they they love in spirit so that they will recognize their presence at holiday. So they'll see, um, you know, how those they love are saying hello to them. Um, It's not enough. I believe, for a medium to give messages. We have to show others how to be more receptive as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and I love the way you talked about the, the idea of uh, how they can come and say hi in little ways. Uh, one of the th- signals that I have that somebody that uh, we know and love is in the room is I suddenly start smelling cigarette smoke. And this was a person who loved smoking.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I I remember I was doing a session for a lady, um, I think it was in Lake Tahoe, and I was in this big high-rise building. And I said to her, your husband is letting me know he always comes to you with hawks. And she said, yes, that's the case. Now, her back was to the window, and I was looking at the window, and as I said, hawk, this hawk. Came up like was lifted up on a an updraft right by my window, and I was very high in this high rise, and my eyes got huge. She turned around. We both ran to the window. We looked, and we saw the hawk, and then it just disappeared. I wow. have never. I was like, "Wow, your husband certainly makes a point, doesn't he?" She goes, <laughs> "Oh yeah, he he really likes to be sure that I know he's really here."
1: Oh wow! Yeah, How beautiful.
2: so it was it was a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so what are some of the other ways when they might say hi? What is, can you name just mention well, a few Well, it's others.
2: interesting because there are the general ways that um, are that that people will recognize in dreams. Certainly, coming with smoke, a recognizable perfume. Let's say, um, flickering lights, all sorts of electronic uh, disturbances. But in the book, I also talk about things that are very very personal. Um, and one lady was telling me how. Uh, her daughter had discovered uh, Elton John just before she died and loved Elton John and loved Christmas. Well, this young woman, um, I do think, really made a big hello when her mother's iPod was on shuffle with 4,000 songs, but the only songs that played were Elton John and Christmas songs. <laughs> and that was very specific to this young woman, so that wasn't general wow. in any way. Um so I really and and one other lady just kept seeing her son's name on license plates if you can believe that all different sorts of ways you know phonetic and you know and on signs I, it was just unbelievable everywhere she looked skywriting so it it sometimes can be very very personal and extraordinarily p- specific
1: Yeah which, you know, it says they're trying to get through to us and we just need to listen. And I've heard people say, but I I don't want to know that they're talking to me. That's scary. I don't want to hear that. Uh, and yet the idea of it is also very comforting, isn't it?
2: It's the most comforting thing I know, and that's why I do my work. Beautiful. Well, thank
1: you, Hollister, for being on the show today. I really wish you... a uh, uh, Godspeed in all that you do because you're doing a very noble and beautiful thing and healing thing for us. And I really appreciate you being on the show today to talk about it. Thank you. And next week, you're very welcome. Next week, we're going to be uh, talking about leaning into the mystery and what that means and what changes we might have to make in order to lean into the mystery. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.